you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Buckets here on the Action Network podcast feed. We are here for another Friday happy hour episode. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, and I'm excited to be joined today by fellow Action Network NBA analyst, Austin Wang, making his first appearance here on the Buckets podcast. Austin, welcome. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Brandon. Uh, I'm honored to be on the show with you, and I'm excited to talk hoops. Yeah, we're excited. We, uh, it, we currently are recording live on Wednesday night. It is about third quarter of the Warriors and Blazers game that I have been watching intently on ESPN, hoping for three-pointers, hoping for records. We made it to halftime at four. We're at six in the third quarter. I don't think we're going to quite get to 16, but the fact that we still don't know for sure is about all you need to know about Steph Curry. <laughs> so, uh, Austin, I just want to make sure we let our listeners know who we are just starting out. So, why don't you start out just like, what do you do? You know, what do you do for work? What do you do for us at Action? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so uh, I've been, this is the second season. I've been contributing NBA content to the Action Network. Uh, I'm a CPA by trade, so I have a great appreciation for numbers and analysis. And that's really what I use as a basis for my handicapping, for my articles, for my writing. So uh, those of you that have read my work will definitely see a lot of data-driven analysis. Uh, so that, yeah, that's what I do day to day. Got a lovely family, uh, two young children, uh, a son and a daughter. Uh, they, they keep me uh, energized uh, as well as uh, along with the basketball as well. That's great. How old are your kids? Um, one is one and a half. Uh, that's my younger son. And then my uh, daughter is six. Awesome. Uh, well, Austin, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter, because that will lead into my next question. Sure. It's uh, okay. At a Wang, a W A N G underscore H T X. Yeah. So I was looking at that early and I was like, H T X. What is that? Oh, I know what that stands for. So Austin, you are, are you in currently in Houston? Is that where you live? Yes. I was born and raised here in Houston, Texas. So big Rockets fan. I know. Talk to me about your Rockets fan. And did you grow up with those nineties Rockets championships? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. It started all at a very young age. That's the way my family bonded when uh, when I was a child, and that was to watch Rockets games together. And I was eight years old when the Rockets won their uh, back-to-back championships. So that pretty much hooked me for life. I can't uh, <laughs> get it out of me no matter what. So uh, other than that, growing up in the 90s, collected a lot of basketball cards, played NBA Jam, NBA Live. I mean, everything pretty much revolved around basketball and, and naturally the NBA. So that kind of led to my Rockets fandom, my NBA fandom and just my love for basketball in general. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Austin is our resident totals expert. So we're going to get to totals in a second, but seeing as how the Houston Rockets are currently on a seven game and counting perhaps by the time you listen to this win streak, we'd be remiss if we don't at least talk about the Rockets for a minute or two here. So this is a totals podcast. We'll get back to that, but Austin, seven games, seven wins. You you were what one and 15 one and 16 before that yeah well yeah exactly yeah i'm <laughs> so excited like going into the season you know such low expectations i went in i went to each game thinking if the rockets could just cover the spread then uh, <laughs> i'd be satisfied because we're outperforming market expectations so i was at the game uh, against the chicago bulls when we first got the win and uh, we were double digit underdogs and we won outright, obviously. And like just the crowd, everything you go in with such low expectations and they pull out such a gutsy win. And it just, you know, it was so exciting and fun to watch, you know, after years of, uh, you know, watching the James Harden Rockets succeed in the regular season, but just disappointing, you know, just kind of going in with low expectations. It's just been so fun to watch these young guys play. And Shangun, like he's he's one of my favorite players yeah. watching him. Just his footwork, his passing, his vision, it's been really exciting. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys you fall in love with watching him. He's he's got so much talent and he's just audacious. He just tries mm-hmm. anything that he wants is on the table and like yeah. he can do it too, which is what's great about it. So, it's a fun team fun team to watch, especially now that the games are a little more watchable and that they're hanging in there. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a fun team. I think I saw online, you, you probably know this, February 2nd, I believe, is when the Houston Rockets can play for the 34th win in a row and break the NBA record. So we're, we're down seven, we got 27 yeah. to go. So Maybe this will be a record podcast. Maybe Steph will break the record while we're recording, and then we'll come back to this when Houston hits the record in February. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. We already have a 22-game win streak, uh, you know, uh, in the franchise. So first beat that, and then we're going for the league-wide record as well. Yeah, Tracy McGrady, I think, is one of the genuinely all-time underrated great players, especially modern great players. I think we put too much stock into you know, his playoff thing. Dude was a legit scorer that could do anything. And for like a six-year peak when he was on the court, he was good as any, you know, two or three players in the world. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. He was just a joy to watch. But unfortunately, yeah, injuries got the best of him. And um, likewise for Yao Ming. And, you know, there was a period of time that year when we had T-Mac, Yao, and Ron Artest. That, you know, Scola, that team was so (laughs) much fun. And, yeah, just injuries prevented us from going all the way but i really felt that 09 yeah. was our year yeah shangun's got some skull in him just with his creativity and kind of that that international flair about him so i could see that you know getting another skull on the roster that's a great right. comparison i like well that. let's get into the total so i wanted to have you on because i don't do a lot of totals i'm a numbers guy i'm a math guy i don't know a lot about the totals so i'm hoping that you can help me and help our audience learn a little bit more about totals so 
I know you largely play totals more than sides, more than crazy 200 to one Steph Curry props like me. <laughs> so what is it about totals that you love? Like, wh why do you like to bet them so much? Absolutely. Uh, and don't get me wrong. I do like playing sides. I play sides all the time, but I just personally, yeah, I do find it easier to forecast, predict totals and try to figure out on a given NBA night, which team is going to show up and, you know, last minute injuries that can impact that. But generally, even if there's injuries or if a team doesn't, you know, show up to play, teams still have a style of play, whether it's a, a slower, fast pace and their general quality of their offense or defense that fundamentally stays the same. So to me, it kind of uh, figures out like a, a math equation. So that's, that's generally why I like playing totals. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Very appealing to me too. I, in the end, as the resident props guy at Action Network, that's kind of how I see it too, is it's a math equation. You can really like look and study the numbers and see where the trends are going and the, the mean and the, the median outcomes and really just kind of, you know, all my math nerd college classes coming home to roost <laughs> in the NBA gambling world, just like I was expected them to. <laughs> that's right. Well, let's talk about the process a little bit then, because it sounds like maybe a similar process to the math side of what I'm doing here. But to start with, what are the key factors that you're looking at to start out when you're looking at trends, over, unders, uh, totals? Right. So um, I may be oversimplifying this, but at its most basic level, I think, you know, if you wanted to model or, or start with a, a baseline to come up with the totals, I think there's three key inputs. One is pace. Um, the number of possessions in a game. The other is offensive efficiency, the number of points scored per 100 possessions, uh, defensive efficiency, number of points allowed per 100 possessions. And so those three inputs you can, you know, put together, uh, you know, forecast what the pace will be for a given game um, and use the offensive efficiency and, and defensive efficiency numbers to come up with a projected score for each team. And so how do you forecast and model that effectively uh, that's sort of the tricky part right um, you know there's lots of other external factors that you want to factor into uh, your day-to-day -day process um, so other factors I like to consider are you know the three-point percentage three-point defense you know three-point volume is still high in the league even though sort of overall offense has been dipping sure. this year um, fatigue rest Assist to turnover ratio, that's one uh, that uh, predictive metric that I found to be successful mm. in looking at totals that I reference quite often in my articles and, you know, injuries and scheduling. Those are other yeah. uh, key factors in what affects my day-to-day -day handicapping and process. So w without giving away the secret sauce, is there a formula that's set up that's automatically adjusting for some of these extra factors that you mentioned? Or is that like a manual process where you've got a few of the key things and then, you know, at the end of the night or top of the morning, you're like, okay, well, I noticed this team is on a back-to-back. -back, so let me adjust accordingly. Like what's that part of the process like for you? So there's some of that that's automated. So for instance, if there's a back-to-back -back or um, if, if they've had a tough road schedule, that sort of factored into the model and the calculation and the formulas. But as you know, I'm big into the sports data query language. Uh, there's yeah. certain systems, um, there's certain situational trends that I look at uh, that, you know, I'll run day-to-day uh, -day to see if they're active on the games that I play. And then I'll make, yeah, um, most of those times, I'll, if they're active, I'll make some manual adjustments to my numbers. But uh, for the most part, all the other ones are, are just uh, automated, um, especially with the back-to-back. -back. And then yeah. injuries, 
uh, injuries will uh, also, you know, uh, be a manual calculation as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So I know this is going to be an overgeneralized question, but just very broadly speaking, just for, for the listeners sake, if I look at a total on a given day, what would be like two or three of the most obvious factors to you that you would say, okay, this is an obvious reason that I might think about an under here. Like among the different factors that you said, what one of those stats or scheduling thing or like, what would be a couple specific reasons that an under might pop? Uh, Well, one specific situational uh, trend or system is that when two really good teams are playing against each other, and typically I define it as 60% or more, and these teams are playoff teams, um, they are competitive and they want to come to play against a fellow uh, playoff team, and obviously seeding is going to matter. So I think what they'll do is they bring more defensive intensity, they play a little harder, and that just lends to uh, a lower scoring game, uh, more playoff intensity. Uh, so those marquee matchups between the league's best teams, um, I always, you know, shade a little bit more to the under. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what about one example of the other direction? What's a scenario that automatically shades toward an over then? I think when you look at the stats, like teams with that play at too fast pace, like, you know, the Grizzlies of the league, the Hornets, uh, good offenses, bad defenses, those are all key factors in and yeah. in, uh, in looking at overs. Yeah, that makes sense. And one interesting thing is if you take a look at last year's totals and numbers, it's been a fascinating shift from the prior year. Last year, we were seeing numbers regularly into the 240s. But, you know, <laughs> they were laying totals 230, 235, 240s. And, you know, to you know, the average person looking at these numbers, they're like, this is just ridiculously high. You know, I got to bet the under, right? Uh, but they were hitting at an, you know, a ridiculous rate. I think it was like around 58 or 60%. If the total was over than 235, 236, they were hitting at like, a, overs were hitting at a 58% rate. Wow. A lot of times you got to take that cognitive bias out um, <laughs> and say, okay, yeah you're, yeah, you're thinking that this total is too high, but in reality, look, the it's that high for a reason and right. that's these teams are going to run and they're going to put up points now. Yeah. Well, the season's just, a little different. Yeah. Just like anywhere else, you know, the books know the cognitive bias that we have when we look at this, they know the trap that we're going to fall into. So they know we're going to look at it and be like, Whoa, that's a high number. That's got to be an <laughs> yeah. under or Holy cow. Only like two Oh three tonight. That's an easy over. They know, yeah, they know exactly. that's what we're thinking. So <laughs> you got to be careful with some of those things too. So yeah, let's talk about this season. So if you haven't done so yet, make sure to check out Austin's articles. He's doing a weekly article. So every week in our Slack, I think on Sunday night, Austin pops in this awesome chart that has like each week, the data, the trends, the pacing, the over under record. And that whole chart goes right into that article for all of you guys to take a look at as well. So I know that this has been a wild season comparing the first month that was extreme on one end and then it's really pushing back the other end. So uh, give me the snapshot. Like what, what's the season look like as far as totals and over-unders so far? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, it's been a fascinating uh, shift because as from like 2015 onward, you know, totals, um, points scored per game kept progressively going up and up. And then all of a sudden we've got a huge shift downwards. Last year, uh, the average point scored per game was 223.9 points per game. And the average closing total was 224. Now you compare 
this season and the average point scored per game is 215 and wow. the average total is 216. So it's around that 215 and 216 range. And as for over-unders, it's currently 167 overs, 197 unders. And so that's 45.8% um, to the over. And so uh, at first, like you mentioned, the unders were hitting at a just astronomical rate because they were opening up the season with totals based on priors and uh, last season's data. And so they're opening up with totals at 223. And, you know, the scoring was really low for a variety of reasons. I think, you know, the new rules that were implemented, less fouls were being called. Um, you know, I think fatigue uh, plays a big factor into yeah. it. These teams played a really uh, condensed uh, season last year with lots of back-to-backs. Uh, some of these teams that went deep in the playoffs then went to uh, play for the Olympics, yeah. uh, fans back in the arenas. I, you know, having 20,000 people, their presence in an arena will certainly affect your style of play. So uh, yeah. a couple different factors. Yeah, uh, I noticed we're hitting all sorts of unders early on. And I was playing around with our bet labs tool and just kind of like trying out some combinations. Mm -hmm. I found one, I think on Halloween, it was like the last day of October, first of November. And I found a trend that was so ludicrous that I assumed it was an error until I tested it out a couple of days. <laughs> and it was something like in a game for the, for this season, if the first half had gone under the first half line by 10 or more points, the second half under was 26 one and one for the season so far. And I was like, wow. all right, well, we must need to update the data. Like what, what am I missing here? Like, is this the second half from before the game? No, no, no. The data was all right. We were hitting so many unders. And then when we were getting them anyways, and the first half went under, it was this mm -hmm. immediate telltale sign. And so I started playing it. And of course, that's when the regression started to come as it <laughs> always does. Regression comes for us all. And I started to adjust my trend. Okay, well, first half under by 10 or more points, but at least 90 points combined. So it's not just mm -hmm. it was going to be way under, and then it kept going that way. But like, oh, you know, they, they scored enough points. The books haven't adjusted too much. That one went pretty well for a while, and that started to fade a little bit. So mm -hmm. I bumped it mm -hmm. again. 97 points. Combined 97 points and 10 under. And at that point, that one was 18 and 0. And I believe the last I checked, we're 0 and 6 on the streak on that one. So all that is to say the under trend has been fading and we're at overs now. So talk to me about overs. Uh, when did the switch happen? You know, I'm sure it's been gradual, but like what's pushing it, do you think, toward the overs lately? Yeah, so it started two weeks ago. So, okay. um, so the week starting in November 22nd, the week before Thanksgiving, that week overs hit at a rate of uh, 30 uh, and 22 to the over, 57.7%. The week after last week went 27 and 20, uh, one push for 57.4%. So that's two consecutive weeks where the overs have outpaced uh, the unders. And I mean, overall, it's a combination of the offense has been improving. The offensive yeah. efficiency has increased over the last few weeks. The three-point shooting is uh, is increasing as well. We saw a few weeks earlier on in the season that teams are shooting like 34% from the three, way below what you know they've been shooting the last several seasons. And we're seeing like usually it's been like 36, 37. But uh, over the last two weeks, including this so far this week, it's it's up to about 36% just for those two weeks, which is in line with 
um, which is aligned with the previous season. So you're starting to see the three-point shooting improve. You're starting to see um, offensive efficiency improve. Uh, one thing I noticed was that there were uh, slightly more free throws and fouls being called. So maybe uh, the, the refs aren't swallowing their whistles as much as they did earlier on in the season when they're making a concerted effort to, yeah. uh, to enforce these rules. So all those factors combined, plus, you know, the books have adjusted and now making those totals lower uh, to align with, you know, what, what the teams have been scoring. But now that the offense is steadily improving, uh, I think we could still see some overs for maybe the next week or two before uh, the books adjust once again, like they always do. <laughs> Those darn books. They're always out trying to take <laughs> our money away from us. Uh, yeah, that was my next question. I was going to ask, like, are we on over mode now for a while now or, or how long until it adjusts? But kind of the pendulum, you know, it goes a little bit back and forth. Right. It sounds like you talked about like the offense kind of catching up, hitting stride a little bit, the shooting mm-hmm. hitting stride. Do you expect... Like when we talk about overs for a couple of weeks and then maybe it starts to catch up, is that because the offenses and shooting will have plateaued or is it because the books will have started to readjust their lines for it and we'll, we'll keep seeing some of that improvement happening? Yeah, I think the latter. I, um, okay. I think, you know, the books had adjusted the totals to be lower and uh, with the scoring steadily increasing, you'll see a small window of opportunity because the gap is pretty much closed between the actual scoring versus the market totals. I mean, you're, if you compare week one, you're looking at the average closing total was in 223, 224. And, you know, the average scoring was down in 216, 217. And slowly, you know, week by week, that gap started to close. So now we can see that the average point score per game uh, and the market total is hovering around that 215, 216 range. Uh, but if the offense is continuing to improve a bit, then, you know, we can see an increase in scoring, but it won't be long before the market adjusts itself. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a small window of opportunity that um, at this rate, overs can, I think there's still opportunity for some overs to hit. But like I said, not for long. <laughs> not for long, but we've got a window here. Uh, who are the teams that even as these overs have swung in our direction, what teams are still dragging things down? Are there still teams over these last couple of weeks that are really crushing the unders? Can you guess which team has the most unders in the NBA? So I think that I've seen, so I'm going to guess that still is true that the Lakers are it. Is it LA? Okay. No, the Lakers are um, more to the over, but I was uh, saying more yes. to the under um, is the uh, Golden State Warriors. Ah, so, yes. You know. That makes sense because we think of the Warriors all wrong. We think of the Warriors as this high flying, gunning offensive team mm-hmm. and it's their defense that's been historic so far. So yep. it makes sense that, and you know, you want to bet on Steph Curry points. You want to bet on him breaking the record, by the way, six of 17 early fourth quarter. <laughs> And it's not fun betting against Steph Curry making points. Mm -hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. Yep, absolutely. Their defense just incredible this season. Um, I mean, sort of looking at their trends, they're nine, three and one uh, to the under in their last 13. Um, They are hitting the unders at uh, the highest rate uh, in the league. So um, 70% to the under. Wow. Well, you know, I uh, probably should have factored that into my Steph Curry to make 16 threes in a game that they would maybe go under. This game uh, certainly is looking under with Portland here. What about that Memphis OKC game? You know, the 73-point blowout. 
How much, especially relatively early in the season, does that screw up the numbers? Like, is that an outlier that you have to kind of ignore or is that not that big of a deal? Um, I don't think I look at it that way. Um, I, I think I overall, I'm looking at, at a macro level, uh, averages on a macro level when I'm doing this type of analysis. But when you look at it team by team, yeah, those types of scoring performances from the Memphis Grizzlies and the OKC Thunder, yeah, you've got to make some adjustments there, and, and yeah. especially for those extreme outliers, right? So, sure. Um, so that's definitely well, something you have to take into consideration. Yeah. So we know that probably at least for a bit that we're leaning toward overs here, but I want to get dig into your article a little bit before I wrap up here, talk about some specific teams. So uh, some teams that might be actionable in these coming weeks. And of course, this is never evergreen. This is actionable for a week or a couple of weeks. And then the trends start to catch up again. So again, we're recording on Wednesday, December 8th right now. So we've got data through the night before. So I know that last week or in your article, you had written about the Hornets and Rockets last week. So talk to me about what was the angle you were looking at with them and how did that go for you last week? Right. So the Charlotte Hornets had already been hitting um, a lot of uh, a huge streak of overs. But the main driver for me thinking that they will continue was the absence of Mason Plumley. Uh, so Plumlee got injured and in turn, they were playing, uh, his minutes were replaced by PJ Washington. And so, you know, that combination led to, you know, worse defense, better offense and a faster pace. So I had no doubt in my mind that, you know, that combination would continue to yield overs, especially for the next week. They had some very favorable matchups against some teams with uh, not so good defenses, including the Houston Rockets. So I thought the overs would be a good look um, for the Charlotte okay. Hornets, and they ended up going four and zero to the over. So I was really pleased with All that. Right. Uh, Houston Rockets, same um, sort of the same concept where they had at the beginning of their win streak, they had benched uh, Daniel Thice and uh, you know moved uh, Christian Wood back to the center position, Jay Shante to the power forward, and that really opened up the spacing for um, some of the three-point shooters on the team, Garrison Matthews, Armani Brooks. I mean, they already played at the fastest pace in the league, so now add in some more efficient offense, and I thought that uh, they would have a good opportunity to have some high-scoring games, and they went 3-1 and one to the over. So those right. are the types of angles I look at, especially with injuries, right? Because kind of going back to Charlotte Hornets as an example, um, last season I going the other way, uh, there was uh, Cody Zeller got injured. And so he was replaced in the lineup by Bismack Biombo. And so right then and there, I'm like, okay, their offense is going to suffer. Their pace <laughs> is going to slow down and their defense is going to uh, improve. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the market books were still seeing the Hornets uh, as a high scoring team. Uh, we're laying out uh, quite uh, large totals. So I use that opportunity to find those market inefficiencies and hit on some unders there. Yeah, I like that. Seven and one is a pretty profitable week. So we need to do more <laughs> of that. You'll, you'll be a frequent yes. guest. We're going to hit seven and one every week. <laughs> so let's talk about the two that you had this week then as we wrap up. So I know you got the okay. Raptors in heat. It looks like one team you're trending over and one you're going under on. So let's talk about the over first since we've been over centric. Who's your overs team for now? So similar to, uh, okay, so the Raptors, um, similar to the Heat, the Heat set the tone early in the season with their stifling defense and and grinded out style of play. And so they started off the season four and one to the under, but then 
completely did a 180 and have gone 14 and five uh, to the over since then. So the market continues to expect these low scoring games out of the heat and, and price their totals as such. So, but now with Bam Adebayo out for a few weeks and, yep. and Jimmy Butler dealing with injuries of his own, you know, their defense is really going to suffer. And, you know, without, in, in the absence of Butler, you get more playing time for Tyler Hero. Um, and I think it just improves their offense overall, makes their defense worse. And uh, I think there's a good opportunity for them to continue their overs. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially with Bam out and, uh, you know, Jimmy a little bit banged up as well. So heat overs. We like that. What about the Raptors? The Raptors. So uh, Raptors have been quite the enigma this season. They've <laughs> they started sure off <laughs> with the defensive first attitude and, you know, one of the league's most feared defenses and just sort of after a, a couple of weeks, it, it all changed. So I, I did some research and in the seven games during the month of October, the Heat had the seventh best defensive rating in the league. But in the month of November, they were the worst defensive team in the entire NBA. So, you know, the absence of Ananobi and, um, you yeah. know, Hurt and Siakam's return, you know, may have helped their offense, but uh, not so much their defense. So it uh, definitely appears that over the last week and a half, they've, they've been addressing and uh, correcting these defensive deficiencies so um last week all three of their games went under okay uh their offense still hasn't looked great uh they scored 102 points last sunday but you know didn't break 100 points in the four games before uh so i like them to um continue with the unders they their game went over tonight uh, but uh, i think with their recommitment to their defense i think that uh, low scoring games are in the future for the toronto raptors yeah, they've been a hard team to get a good read on. They're, they're kind of all over the place, and it doesn't help that they can't get consistent lineups with the injuries that they have coming and going. So it makes yeah. sense that their profile is continuing to mm -hmm. shift a little bit as well. So heat overs, Raptors unders, that's the direction that we are looking uh, these next few games, maybe a few weeks mm -hmm. if, we, if we get on a roll here. But one other thing I want to ask you before we head out, do you see any trend, you know, we've got these kind of COVID games, you know, with the way that we're in pandemic now where suddenly four five, six guys are missing from a lineup. Have you found any clear trend just from the last season and a half of when these teams are super shorthanded? Does it tend to especially lean over or under, or is there not really a strong trend that you've seen? I haven't noticed a strong trend. Your okay. I think natural intuition says under, yeah, uh, right? That's what so, I was thinking. Um, with the Hornets, I thought that when LaMelo Ball and Terry uh, Rozier uh, were you know, out with health and safety protocol, I immediately thought, okay, well, they're still going to hang these high totals. But I, I definitely think that without their point guard, uh, who's such a key yeah. player in their offense, um, I thought they would uh, struggle to score. But no, lo and behold, they came out and they, were, they scored just fine. And then their defense was still equally as bad. And they, uh, yeah, they <laughs> blew that total out of the water um, against the, uh, the Hawks uh, this, past, yeah. this past Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I guess... Like, I haven't noticed any trends. Yeah, I suppose, like, like, you know, like any of your other trends, if the, you know, if suddenly it sweeps through and Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond are out, then you probably should act accordingly on the information. Instead, if all the guards and the fast players are out, then maybe go the other way. So exactly, just, you kind of follow the same logic from your other picks. So that makes a lot of sense. So we're going with some overs going forward. Overall, we're trending that way. We're looking for heat overs. We're looking for Raptors unders. 
and we are appreciative of, uh, of the knowledge you've dropped on us today, Austin. So be sure to check out Austin's articles. When do they come out? Are they they're early in the week, right? Monday, Tuesday? Monday, Monday. Monday. Yep. So yeah, I update them through Sunday's game. So that's sort of the threshold right. for every single week. And then we release it uh, on Monday morning. All right. So check for Austin's articles Monday mornings. And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Buckets. Make sure to watch on Monday for the fancy episode here on the feed with Adam Koffler and Dan Titus. Tuesday, I'm back with Matt Moore and Raheem Palmer for the big picture. Wednesday, workshop with Matt and Raheem. And then Friday, as always, another happy hour episode. For Brandon Anderson and Austin Wang, this has been the Buckets Podcast. Have a great weekend and let's get Buckets. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.